and let me know. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again. As we continue on in the study we're doing through the Old Testament, um, we, uh, we're working through the Bible a chapter at a time. And we, um, we worked through the New Testament together over a five-year period, and then about a year and a half ago, we started through the Old Testament. We've worked our way through Genesis. We're now into the book of Exodus. Uh, and um, it's important, as I've been telling you, to study the Bible this way. Um, it gives us context, and it, it sort of, uh, it's good for us to take time to work through it. Um, so we, have a, we had a 20-year plan when we started, and we're six and a half years into it. So we're, and we're pretty close to being on schedule, so we're doing well. Um, we'll continue to plug along and work our way through um, the Old Testament together. Um, we're in the book of Exodus now, a very interesting book. Uh, and, um, you know, that, that uh, we're going to learn a lot through um, the book of Exodus. And what happens is God rescues his people out of slavery um, in these chapters and, and what that looks like. And there's, there's a lot of things for us to take in in the process. Moses is pretty much the main character um, throughout Exodus. But we'll, we'll see other people popping up that we need to be aware of on this journey together. And uh, so we're, we're spending our time looking at these things and doing that together. Now, as we get to Exodus 4, if you were here with us last week in Exodus 3, God appeared to Moses uh, in the burning bush and told him what he was going to do uh, and how he was going to use him in the process. And, you know, he, he, uh, Moses said, you know, well, what's your name, which was important to him. And he said, I am. And we, we looked at that. And I am, you know, tell him I am that it, who I am and how important all that was. Now, the discussion is still sort of ongoing between Moses and, and God here in this process because uh, God has spoken these things to Moses, and Moses at this point now is going to sort of, even though at one point he seemed pretty much ready to tackle this project um, when he thought he was ready, now 40 years in the wilderness, um, he, he no longer thinks he's ready, and he's actually going to argue with God about... Uh, about what's coming up, and we're going to see some of that and how that works together. And, and really, I think the lesson, you know, in this chapter is pretty plain. Um, God knows us better than we know ourselves, and, and so we have to make sure that we trust Him um, in, in what He calls us to. Um, you're going to see Moses here telling God his weaknesses as if somehow God is not aware of them, but God is aware of, you know, the hairs on our head. He knows our, what we're strong in and what we're not strong in. Um, there's nothing he doesn't already know about us. But the thing is that God will never call you into something um, where he's not going to empower you on that journey. Uh, and that's something that you need to remember and you need to sort of understand. Uh, I think God, God's aware of our strengths and he's aware of our talents. And he will use those sometimes. But don't be surprised if God uses you in areas that you're, you feel very weak in. Because it's usually in those areas when you really have to rely on God, and He's looking for that usually most of the time. Um, the things that He calls us to, He wants us to know that we're trusting in Him and we're depending on Him. And um, when He works through us, it's, it's you know, He's going to get the credit that He ought to get, and we're not going to try and take it for ourselves. So, so a lot of times we'll be operating in areas that may not be our what we feel are our most, uh, you know, where our strengths lie. Um, in fact, he, I would say he more often than not uses us in the areas that we would consider to be 
perhaps our weakest, because um, then we have to trust Him. So when He calls you to something, um, you can trust Him that He'll empower you to do what it is He's calling you to do, even if you, you don't feel, you know, totally able to do it. And uh, uh, it's, you know, it's part of the whole walk by faith thing that we're called to. So uh, Moses, we've seen, was actually pretty well set up for the job. Uh, he needed to get some humility, um, which he's now got, and now it seems like he's gotten too much. <laughs> so God's going to call him back a little bit, uh, which is good. And you know that at some point it could be almost, when you read this, it's almost like a, um, like a false humility. And so, you know, you've got to make sure it's not your pride popping up back in, in just opposite ways of what it should. So let me read you the story, and then we'll talk about it uh, on the other side. Uh, 31 verses in Exodus chapter 4. I'm reading out of the NIV. That's what will be overhead on, on those papers we passed out. But whatever translation you use is fine. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me? Or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you. Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. And the Lord said, Throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. I like that. I would, I'm not a big fan of snakes either. That would probably, well, yeah. So, then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Now, he'd already run away from it. Uh, so, who was I talking to the other day? I had a flashback of um, not, not many years ago, I think maybe three or four years ago, I was, uh, I was sleeping one night, and I, I thought I felt something touch my face, and then, and then, I, and then I heard my wife scream, you know, and, and we both jumped up, and it was a frog that had squeezed its way through the window and landed on my face and then <laughs> jumped onto my wife. And I, ew! And she's like, get it out! I'm like, ew, I don't want to get it out. <laughs> it's a frog. Ugh. <laughs> Sorry. So, so, so I got it out, but I didn't touch it. I got it out with a, I think I went and got something out of the kitchen and captured it. I don't know how I got there from there, but anyway, no extra charge. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was leprous like snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first miraculous sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river, river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, O oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. 
He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if your mouth, if, if he were your mouth, and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand, so you can perform miraculous signs with it. Then Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Let me go back to my own people in Egypt to see if any of them are still alive. And Jethro said, Go. Jethro said, Go, and I wish you well. Now the Lord had said to Moses and Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men who wanted to kill you are dead. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, and started back to Egypt. And he took the staff of God in his hand. The Lord said to Moses, When you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you the power to do. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then say to Pharaoh, This is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. And I told you, let my son go so he may worship me. But you refused to let him go. So I will kill your firstborn son. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. But Zipporah took a flint knife cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it. Surely you are bridegroom of blood to me, she said. So the Lord let him alone. At that time, she said, bridegroom of blood, referring to circumcision. The Lord said to Aaron, go into the desert to meet Moses. So he met Moses at the mountain of God and kissed him. Then Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had sent to him to say, uh, sent him to say, and also about all the miraculous signs he had commanded him to perform. Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of, Israel, of the Israelites. And Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses. He also performed the signs before the people, and they believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. Blessed be the word of the Lord. All right, so, um, so Moses kind of has a two-pronged approach. He's got a First, he's got to convince the Israelites that God actually sent them to lead them out. And then he's going to have to convince Pharaoh to let the people go. And God had already told us, and we already knew from the last chapter, that God had knew that the people of Israel would receive Moses, ultimately, and um, that Pharaoh was going to be a little different circumstance. And we're going to see the plagues that uh, have to sort of come upon Egypt for Pharaoh to finally relent and let the people of Israel go. But Moses, you know, has his own issues that he's got to deal with. And sort of in those, um, th those first chunk of verses, he's, he's convinced that the people of Israel aren't going to believe him. And uh, he says they won't believe, which, you, you know, um, I think it's, it's probably Moses more saying, I don't really believe. Um, you, you know, how am I going to convince them if I'm not really convinced? And he was sort of concerned about his his own credentials before the Jewish people. So, so God gives him these three signs to, conv to convince the elders that he was truly God's chosen servant. Um, in the New Testament, you remember, if, we, if you read in 1 Corinthians, it says the Jews require a sign. And um, so he, God prepared Moses to able to demonstrate these miraculous signs um, in front of the people of Israel so that they would believe that God had spoken to and sent Moses to begin this process of deliverance. Um, so it starts with his shepherd's staff. And uh, uh, a shepherd would have carried a staff. It was usually, you know, three to six feet, wooden rod, curved hook at the top. Um, the shepherd used it for walking, for guiding his sheep, for killing snakes, and for a lot of other tasks. It also helped get frogs off in the middle of the night. Um, but yeah, I, maybe, I don't know. But it was just a stick. Uh, 
And so he had this, think about it, and so he had his staff, which he'd had for, obviously for, you would guess he'd had it for a long time, one of those things that you just have for a long time. God says throw it down, and he throws it down and becomes a snake. It, that would get your attention, right? All these things are pretty attention-grabbing. Um, staff becomes a snake. And then um, the next thing, the severe skin disease was leprosy, which leprosy was one of the most feared diseases of the time. Um, there was no cure. There was a great deal of suffering, and it meant isolation. Uh, you were, uh, other people would not let you be around if you had leprosy because they didn't want to get it. And so they were kicked out of, you know, camp and, and had to pretty much fend for themselves. And so uh, leprosy was a horrible sort of disease to get. And, and um, um, when, when, you know, he brought the hand out and he was leprous, that would have had to overwhelm him at the same time when he put it back and then pulled it, pulled it back out again when it was cured um, he, and healed and restored. Um, you know, it, you have to know that God's able to do what he says he's going to do. It's one of those things. And, and, uh, and so he was able to, you know, he should begin to trust God that God will do what he says he's going to do. And, and um, that God had all the power that was necessary in this commissioning that he was giving him to go and to, uh, to do what he was going to have to do to get the people out of Egypt. Um, and then he had the, you know, in the back pocket, he had he can take the water out of the Nile and if he poured it on the sand, it would become blood. That's another. He had all these things that he could and, and did demonstrate to the Jewish people to help them know that God was speaking to them again, that God was calling them out, that God was bringing them forth, and he was going to use Moses to do it. But he still has his issue. The next thing that Moses says is, well, I'm not a fluent speaker. And, um, you know, at this point, he's kind of missing the fact that, that God is able to do what he says he's going to do, which is why God gets upset with him. Um, he'd already been told who God was. I am. You know, he sort of had everything he needed. Um, and, and so it, here's the thing. When, when God reminds you and demonstrates to you and tells you that he is, I am, it's really kind of pointless for us to start begin to say, but I'm not. You know, when he says, I am with you, I will do these things, you've got you to sort of say, okay, you can do it. But, um, and, and certainly if he can turn... A, a, you know, a stick into a snake, and he can turn leprosy and, re, you know, restore completely, and he can turn water into blood. He can speak through Moses if Moses is willing to do it. But, but Moses was kind of, you know, looking inward at himself and thinking he couldn't do it, and um, uh, instead of trusting that God could do it through them. Uh, and he says, you know, somebody else can do it better. He says, you know, in effect, Lord, please send someone else to do it. Um, and even though Moses is calling him Lord, he's refusing to sort of listen and obey and do what he's told to. Uh, and um, we need to let, you know, we need to trust God. We'll do what he calls us to do. And so um, basically God, in, in his sort of disappointment, God says, okay, fine. Um, we'll let Aaron be your spokesperson. Uh, and... Um, Aaron's got some great stuff, like a lot of these guys, but he's also brings some, some baggage into the, into the mix. You know, it's Aaron who's going to, when Moses is gone at one point, you're going to see it's Aaron who sort of stirs up the people into making a golden calf to worship. Um, Aaron's got uh, his own issues. And, and um, 
there's, there's the idea too, you know, that Aaron was called, you know, to be the priest and Moses was called to be the prophet. And the, the you know, Moses is sort of getting these two things mixed up. And um, we also find out as you read through Exodus that Moses was a fairly eloquent speaker after all. He, he has several very eloquent speeches in the book of Exodus. So he was certainly able to do it, but he was just kind of, you know, digging his heels in at that point in time. And there was some issues with that. Uh, when you read, uh, when we get to Deuteronomy <laughs> in a couple of years, um, he has a, an amazing farewell speech. Um, he's extremely eloquent. He was very well educated and could speak very well, but he just was stuck on some of these things. And um, anyway, so as it has it, God says, okay, fine, Aaron will go. He'll do the speaking. You'll speak into him. He'll speak to everybody else. I'll speak to you. And there you go. So now um, all that stuff's happened, you know, and, and um, he's been there 40 years. It's time to go. After you've been somewhere 40 years, that's a pretty big deal. You're pretty well settled. Uh, in a spot, right? How many of you have actually lived here 40 years? Anybody? Erica has. I'm three years away from that. I came, I came down full-time when I was 19. So, so I got four years, three years. Um, and, and so moving then is a big deal. If I were thinking of moving now, that would be a significant deal for me because I'm here. I mean, I'm, you know, I've been here a long time. I know here. I know what's going on. I know people. I know. So picking up to move would be a significant deal. Well, that's what Moses is getting ready to do. And, and so there's some encouraging signs for Moses um, as, he, as he says, okay, I'm going to go. You know, he, he's, he does say he's going to go. Uh, and um, the, one of the things he gets in verse 18 is he gets his father-in-law's blessing, which was good. Uh, he had to go and tell his father-in-law what was happening, and the, the blessing was good. Uh, um, it doesn't record for us that he spoke to Jethro about this encounter that he had with God at the bush, but um, he just tells him he feels like it's time for him to go back to his people and see if anybody's left. And, uh, um, and Jethro says, okay, that sounds good, and gives him his blessing to go, which, you know, was significant. We've seen in Genesis, remember, we saw situations where people wanted to go and they wouldn't really give the blessing. Well, you've got to stay and do this for him. But Jethro said, go ahead, off you go. And then... Um, uh, in verses 19 through 23, then, you know, the, God sort of speaks to Moses these promises to encourage him. He said, not, don't be afraid to return to Egypt. His enemies were dead. Um, he assured Moses again he would enable him to do the miraculous signs, um, that, that Pharaoh would harden his heart, um, and, and that, that this was going to be a process they would be involved in. Um, uh, and so Moses knew before he ever got there that this, he was going to have a battle, um, it was not going to be easy to convince Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go. He knew that it was coming. Now, there's sort of this thing that happens in verses 24 through 26 where um, there's this whole, Moses gets well, uh, not well, Moses is not well, and um, uh, there's a situation that's arise that apparently needs to be taken care of before he goes and does his thing. It's a, it's a disobedience thing. And that apparently Moses has not um, had his second son circumcised. So, um, uh, and, and so that's something that they were called to do, and apparently he had neglected to do it or he decided not to do it. The inference is that he had circumcised his firstborn son, and um, Zephora, Zephora um, didn't like that whole process, 
thought it was horrific, and it put up a, some sort of resistance when it came to son number two. That's why she sort of calls himself, you know, the, the whole blood thing and everything. It was horrific, but Moses is sick, and, and apparently it comes to her attention that, that the reason behind it is he hasn't been obedient, so she goes ahead and uh, performs a circumcision that needs to take place on the, the second um, son, and then... Um, then from there, uh, things are straightened up, and uh, uh, Moses is restored once again to health, and they're back on their way. Aaron arrives. Um, uh, Aaron is Moses' elder brother. Remember I said? Um, he would be, they would be closely associated now for the next 40 years. They were going to do this thing together, and uh, so they worked as a pair in this process um, and, and Aaron is the sort of, will become the founder of the priesthood, of the, the Levitical priesthood in Israel. And then Moses appears in the last few verses. Um, he, he gets before the Jewish elders, and he was afraid that they wouldn't believe him or accept his leadership, but they do. And um, when, they, when, the, when the rest of the nation saw um, the demonstration of God's power, and they, they, they heard that God was concerned for them, and was about to rescue them. They bowed down and they worshiped. Um, and that's a logical response to seeing and knowing that God is with you and for you. And, um, and so we're, we're, we've arrived there, and now we're going to really engage in this very difficult period of time um, as, as uh, Pharaoh is being pressed to let the people of Israel go. The people of Israel are going to suffer actually worse than they have been before things get better. And um, that's what's coming up in these next few chapters. But really fascinating stuff to watch this whole process um, leading up to the Passover. Um, you know, the Passover for us is a, it's a foreshadowing of Christ. The, the blood that is um, uh, posted on the, on the doors to um, keep people, uh, the firstborn, safe in Israel. It's a picture of the, the blood of the Lamb that Jesus um, has made available for us so we, we don't have to fear death any longer. There's a lot of pictures and things that you're going to see coming in to the whole process uh, that you need to see. And so remember the Passover you want to remember about Exodus and the, the crossing or the parting of the Red Sea and the law and the tabernacle. Those are the four things that really we need to be aware of in the book of Exodus. But um, that's probably good for tonight. And uh, if you're watching my video, thank you so much for watching. We appreciate that. We're going to have prayer here. We'd love for you to come and see us when you get a chance.